Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me and my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jay here. And this week we're in the rainforest. <laughs> Every week we've been doing this on Zoom, I've been outside. I don't know why you guys have just heard that. I don't know. They just have chattier birds today. I, I, I come from a long line of frontiersmen and outdoorsy types. I struggle to believe that, but... <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can't hear any birds, so you guys you got good hearing. <laughs> well, I'm I'm here. I definitely wouldn't hear it on your That's end. That's fair Because I have terrible hearing. We also didn't work around airplanes for several years of our lives. Yeah, those things, uh, they really take it out of your ear. I've, I've literally never met a single person who's gotten out of the armed forces that hasn't told me that they have dramatic hearing loss. It's a very real problem. Yeah. I'll go into more detail on a later date as to why the VA really screws you up. <laughs> <laughs> but this week yeah we're doing a uh, 2007 right yeah yeah we, there was a catchy phrase you pitched oh, i said i said hidden gems hidden gems that's right i already forgot it was such a terrible idea oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great that's a good way to start i figure um, we we uh we take a look at back at this particular year was one that hurt picked and i'm not really sure why i thought i had a very specific idea of why he picked it but it doesn't seem that way based on some pre-conversation okay i actually did not pick it based on any movie i thought of that came out that year the only reason i picked it is because it was a big change over year like ah. it was it was the year after that was when everything really started switching to events interesting you know yeah, you know, yeah. 2008 when Dark Knight comes out, when Iron Man comes out, when the first Hulk movie comes out, and that kind of, you know, even though uh, Transformers had came out the year before, it was kind of influential on that thing. So I kind of thought 2007 might be a good place just because it's, it was the, you know, the last of a sort of uh, era of filmmaking, I guess. And, and, you know, I mean, what even made me think that before you brought this up, I'd been thinking about that year is because like, in like superhero movies like ghost rider and fantastic four two came out that year did those feel like they came out a year before the dark knight no like to me it feels like they came back like five or six years <laughs> before it. so i mean I, I that's just why i pulled that year out of uh, out of the air because i thought it might be interesting historically jay do you know where this falls in lines with the like digital conversion the, I, I, it's it's right when things were really starting to amp up like you know the rave here in town opened up in 2006 i think and it was one of the first digital theaters in the country but by yeah. 2007 it was really starting to catch on and all the new theaters that were building were bu building digital i worked at w street in 2007 a uh, little fun fact oh so fun. you would were were you there when they had those first two digitals and there was like all the horror stories of uh, uh, Apocalypto, it freezing on the severed balls and stuff like that. Uh, I do remember there being drama, but I was not in the loop enough to know what the drama was. I was very quiet and kept to myself. You're, I was about to say, you're like 16 years old, fresh face and <laughs> yep. bushy tailed. Well, I was out of the life then, but uh, you know, I still knew people who were in the life. And apparently the early days of those first two or three digital projectors, they had problem filled. They had a, uh, a Superman Returns that like froze and they could not get going again. But the more memorable one was there's a there's a scene in Apocalypto where they chop off an animal's testicles and and they hold them right up to the camera. 
and apparently the movie froze on that spot. That's great. Just like Mel Gibson wanted. And it had subtitles, and subtitles below said, The Balls. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's good times. That is good times. Uh, so, yeah, there are there a lot of big movies that came out this year, but I figured this, would be, this is kind of a fun thing to go back and look at some of the movies that weren't necessarily as commercially successful, or maybe not even ones that are just as remembered as we think they probably should be. Some of the movies that are quality that either didn't make money or, or didn't uh, grab the audience that maybe they deserved. Yeah, I mean, I have a list of some that I wanted to talk about, but I think, Joseph, you have a like a master list you want to go through? I don't have a master list. I have, I have a, a list in order of how much money they made. Uh, but most of... <laughs> Most importantly, I, 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 what what hurt? What are you making fun of me for? I, I just I just chose the alphabet is what I chose. But yeah, but yeah go for Wikipedia it. has it. Yeah, exactly. I mostly had this because I want to talk about the top movies of this year, the ones that don't need any introduction. Though, to be fair, a lot of them you may not have ever gone back to. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean Worldwide was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 uh, was, was the number one movie of the year. Uh Domesticate with Spider-Man 3. Uh, Harry Potter 5, The Order of the Phoenix was number two. Uh, Spider-Man 3 was number three. Shrek 3, Transformers, Ratatouille, I Am Legend 300. Those are the top whatever that is. Eight, Dude, that's, that's crazy because I was, I, without even looking at it, I was just convinced that it was Transformers. That's crazy that it was like eighth or ninth. It was fifth. Well, crazy. I, I mean, and that's also crazy that Pirates 3 was did that much money because i think people look at back on it as a failure i mean it was definitely it was you know it was the end of of that trilogy if there is such a thing uh of the original three and I, even though i think it was the least favorably reviewed and like, right. remembered of it i think people were still kind of it's, i mean it's spite i mean it's funny because spider-man 3 is is right there below it. it's the same kind of thing you know they they both uh they both were very commercially successful, but killed all the goodwill towards the franchise. So did you, did you want to start with my master list or any ones that you have a particular just, passion for? I, I think, I think, go. I, I, I know the one on here that'll probably be on all our lists, but you go ahead and start and let, let's see where we go. Sure. Uh, one that, you know, is, I think is on a lot of like, it stars all the time. Or one of those other not HBO channels. <laughs> but I've like never seen it since it was in theaters, which is American Gangster with uh, Denzel Crow. Washington and De- yeah. and Russell Crowe for some reason. <laughs> the movie wasn't five hours long. I probably would watch it a second time, but it is so long. It's got, I think it's got, uh, does it have Chiwetel Ejiofor? I think. Uh, I know it's got Idris Elba in it. Yeah. It's It's got Josh Brolin in it. Yep. I, I, the main thing I remember about Josh Brolin in this movie is at I didn't know who he was at this time. And there was an actor on General Hospital at the time who looked very similar. And I was really excited for him. I was like, man, this is a leg up for him. He's in a Denzel movie. Ridley Scott directed, but it wasn't him. It was, it was you know, Josh Bowman. So this is like a, uh, you know, based on a true story, right? Right, right. Uh, about Denzel Washington who becomes this, this kind of uh, low-key terrifying revered and feared gangster and I, I don't even remember if it's new york uh and russell crowe is the cop trying to hunt him down and mm-hmm. bring him to justice but again there's almost no reason for russell crowe to even have a character they're kind of like dual build in this movie but it's a denzel movie <laughs> it's totally a denzel movie i mean russell's biggest like character moments in it are talking about a microwave oven you know so he, he i mean it really is denzel's movie 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it's it's pretty good. I like it a lot. I, yeah. I was gonna say I like it a lot too. Uh, I, I you know I, I I don't think it was great reviewed at the time, but I I enjoyed watching it. You know, it, it made more money than I thought it did. I also I'm just gonna knock it. These might be on some of your lists. I know one of them's probably on on your list, hurt. But I just noticed that this is a weirdly good year for kind of screwball comedies that have kind of achieved cult status since they came right. out. Right, in including Blades of Glory with John Heater and Will Ferrell. <laughs> I do I almost fucking put love this, this one movie. on my list. Yeah, it, it is on my list. Totally, I love this movie. Uh, Balls of Fury, the ping pong movie with Christopher Walken. And Balls that, of good. Uh, I was gonna say Balls of Fury wants to be dodgeball so bad, and I think it's remembered poorly because it's not dodgeball, but it has some funny shit and it. it has all the guys from the state. I like it a lot. It's really just got, it's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dan Fogle? Yeah, he's the lead, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, that was the first time I had really seen him in anything. And I was like, oh, this guy's really funny. Why isn't he in more things? He's objectively the other guys who are just like him. I guess so. <laughs> he's objectively the best part of the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really dumb, dumb, dumb movie about ping pong. And it's a lot of fun. Right. Uh, it's a ping pong kung fu movie, really. And then uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story walk hard man this movie deserves an oscar just for jack black i mean jack white's performance as elvis it's pretty great yeah he's just it's just mumbling nonsense i love it yeah i like this movie a lot too and i know that you said this on the podcast before that you're kind of amazed that music biopics even exist after this movie like it tears them down so perfectly like i would be so fucking embarrassed to make one of those movies after that came out and a movie that uh, you know i don't really like but i know a lot of people have a fond affection for andy samberg's hot rod <laughs> hot rod is on my list yeah i, I knew it would be <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I like Hot Rod a lot. Uh, which is, what is, that, what is he like trying to be like Evil Knievel? I can't remember what this one is. Yeah, That's exactly it, what it is. He's trying to do he's like a, stunts. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to do like Evil Knievel, jackass type stunts. You know, uh, well, Ian McShane plays his stepdad. They fight. It's a good movie. <laughs> Definitely for those type movies, it's a good movie. Yeah, if you made me choose between this and uh, Napoleon Dynamite, I'm probably taking this movie. I, I would go with that too. It's more... It's more laugh out loud funny. But uh, I was, yeah, I was just kind of, I was surprised by the, like, I don't know how many are usually come out of the year, but I feel like all four of those are, are very, uh, very beloved by the people who love them and well-remembered and well-watched well, you know, by those people. You know, I think we were still in the wake of, you know, the success of Anchorman, and there was just a lot of those movies cranking out during that time before, again, the event movies kind of took all those screens. Yeah. Also, it's amazing to me how long uh, Andy Samberg's been working because to me, he's still like the young upcomer on SNL, even though he's been off SNL forever. Uh, right. But this is in 2007. So this is right. 13 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, totally. Totally. He's old now. He's an old. I know it. He's probably the age that I imagine uh, Adam Sandler. Right. He's the, the age that I imagine Adam Sandler to be in my head. Man, 2007 has a classic Adam Sandler movie to it. And am I, I mean classic, I mean not at all. Are you talking about Rain Over Me or what is that movie? No, Chuck and Larry. Oh, yeah. Chuck and Larry is one of those things that, man, I, I, would, I almost want to see it now just to see how fucking canceled it is. <laughs> like, like, there are things in that movie that I bet at the time almost seemed progressive that was almost like watching it. You were like, 
oh, wow, these guys are really trying to say something nice for gay people here. And looking back now, it would be the most homophobic shit you've ever seen in your from, life. From what I understand, that's how Jessica Biel, Jessica Biel was pitched the movie, is that this is going to be, like, really a progressive movie. Right. <laughs> for, like, gay people and, and queer people everywhere. <laughs> really, the joke is, hey, you know, like, what if you were gay, man? <laughs> right, right. That, that's what's funny. Wouldn't it be t- funny if these two men were in love? Oh, it's, uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen it since it came out either, but I imagine that it is super duper canceled. Though if anyone's, yeah. if anyone's watched it recently, please write in. I'd love to know <laughs> how it is. I, I, one of the things that makes me assume that it's canceled is I never even like see it show up on like shitty cable. Like it just never pops up anymore. It's like it's been erased from, erased from existence. So here I got, I got like four movies that I think have all kind of also achieved cult status in their own respective genres. The first of which... Is is one that I I don't know if is it Christian that likes this someone that likes this Stardust with uh I, I like Stardust yeah we barely we both do uh, Robert De Niro and the guy from Daredevil and the girl from Hellboy two and other people <laughs> okay. Okay. it's uh you know it's it's like a fun fairy tale fantasy adventure uh, um, a Neil Gaiman book right is right it? Neil Gaiman and Charles Vest yeah. I don't think this was as commercially successful as it was hoped to be, but it actually didn't do too bad. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it was a huge success, but, you know, I would, I know a lot of people probably make this comparison. I think it's like a natural sequel to The Princess Bride. It's the same, like, love fantasy comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I mean, it's not as good as that, but <laughs> the closest thing we've gotten to it. I would agree with that. It has a very similar vibe. It's, you know, having fun with, the fairy tales and stuff like that but uh but i agree it's not as good uh the next one i have is 30 days of night the uh alaskan vampire flick with josh hartnett and the guy who was uh colonel striker in wolverine origins (laughs) also based on a comic steve niles yeah uh which, which is basically the idea that there's this alaskan town where uh you know during the winter solstice where it's just dark for i guess 30 days I think it's Barrow, Alaska. It's a real place. Uh, I, I like this movie. I think it's pretty good. It's a fun concept. Like it's it's yeah. it, it's especially at a time you know this is two thousand seven when uh, when vampires were were getting uh, defanged uh, <laughs> to to really dig into like the horror aspect of you know vampires again. Yeah, because these were not you know like uh, like tortured sad vampires. These no, they vampires. they did not sparkle. Right, they wanted you. They wanted you for dinner. They glistened they with were, blood. It was an interesting version of vampires in that I think they're like almost portrayed as like animals. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're pretty animalistic, but they're also like not stupid, which is the scarier part. They've got like the they've got like that feral energy, but are also like can out out a uh, tactic you. But I don't remember them like speaking. No, I don't think that they do. They like have this like weird like growl talk or something mm-hmm. to each other. Fun movie. It is a fun. Also, movie. the last time anyone's seen Josh Hartnett. A hundred percent. I think that all the time. Actually, wait, was it, was it this or, or Precinct 13? Which one came first? Precinct, uh, Sultan, Precinct, whatever that one was. Uh, the, uh, Sultan's Precinct came first. Okay, so yeah, this, this is the last time that anyone's seen Josh Hartman. I will uh, say, they, I did ahead. see a trailer yesterday for a movie that he has coming out. Oh, cool. So he is still alive. I yeah, he like, was going to be the next thing, and then he was just gone. I feel like there was a time when Ethan Hawke and Josh Hartnett were ir- like replaceable individuals <laughs> in in uh, in that same kind of young up and comer 
uh, fresh face role. And those guys have aged really differently. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't Josh Hartnett supposed to be Superman at one point? He was, I, I want to say he was like cast as Superman, but then the Superman that he was cast in didn't happen. I think he was cast in the J.J. Abrams. I would love to be cast as a Superman that we'd make fun of. <laughs> Not actual Superman, but like a Superman knockoff that's there to make, like show off how ridiculous Superman is. Right. Oh, the other one that I... episode, all the Supermen that could have been. Oh my God. <laughs> what an... Why are we not doing that right now? <laughs> all right. Anyway, come back to that. Uh, one that I know is on all of our lists that may not even be that not beloved, but I could not mention it. Uh, 310 to Yuma, which I think is That also- was the one I said was going to be on all our list. So. Yeah. Uh, is that James Mangold? Yep, yeah. James Mangold. Yeah. Christian uh, Bale. Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, Ben Foster in the only role that Ben Foster's good at. You know, it's uh, 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 a... Is, is Christian Bale just like a farmer who uh, got injured in like the war or something? Yes. Uh, who, who just kind of gets... He's, he's the fish out of water stuck on this mission to transport the most dangerous criminal in the West, which is Russell Crowe, uh, along with a group of others to, uh, to the train station in Yuma to send him off to prison and it's just it's such a great time man everything about it is fantastic yeah it's a real good movie and it definitely is one that at the time i can remember from living the life like you know we just you just brought up uh like um stardust which you know didn't do well nationally but we packed that fucking thing out in pensacola but this movie was a ghost town when it came out and i remember being pissed at america about that because it's fucking great that's a damn shame do you think yep. it's because it's a remake, J.Hugh? I think it's because it's a remake, and I think it was just a bad time to put out a Western. I just don't think it was advertised well. I think I, I, like, I saw it in theaters, but I wasn't like, expecting to have a good time because I didn't really know a lot about it. And then I went right. and I was like, oh, this is great. I, I still I, I think about there's, there's one line where uh, there's like this seasoned old Pinkerton that's like along the transport. This is spoilers for this movie. And uh, for the most part, him and uh, Russell Crowe have like a pretty good repartee of like they like they've had this long-standing relationship but at one point he he like calls russell crowe's mama whore and russell crowe pushes him off a mountain and kills him and says even bad men love their mamas (laughs) 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 and it's great (laughs) yeah that's good times i'm a big fan of this movie uh the last one on this list that's definitely a cult movie uh these are all different genres alex garland written danny boyle directed sunshine Ooh, i love sunshine Sunshine also comes up a lot on this post podcast. Good, I think it should. Yeah, I won't go into it much because we've talked about it a lot. But I'm a big fan of this movie, and this is really when I knew Chris Evans was the perfect guy to play Captain America. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of stars you like. It's written by a guy you like. It's directed by a guy you like. If you haven't seen it, it's a solid sci-fi thriller horror kind of vibe. Uh, I dig it, especially in, in the worst decade of sci-fi. For sure. Also. This this year had two really good shoot 'em up movies that I feel like have stood the test of time that at least I really enjoy. Uh, one, one of which is Shoot 'em Up with Clive Owen. <laughs> I felt like that's probably where this was leading. Uh, and uh, the other one being Smoking, or I say Smoking, like I'm the whitest person on earth. Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces was 2007. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like it was farther back than that to me. Uh. Honestly, there's like I I could explain the plot of these movies, but it's mostly just people shooting at each other, and it's a lot of fun. They're both like do it in a fun way. Well, I mean, like like uh, the Clive Owen one is almost like a parody of these kind of movies. That's also just a real good one of these movies. Yes, 
I'm not sure that Smoking Aces isn't a parody of, of something. I mean, like, it's really over the top. I mean, I, I think it might morph into parody, but I don't think it went there on purpose. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, also, the only role that Jeremy Pivot is good at. <laughs> He's so great, though. Joel Edgerton and Chris Pine are the best two in this movie, though. Yeah, Chris Pine is unrecognizable. I could keep digging into some of these lists, but I might want to get into some of the the really obscure stuff. Are there any ones that that you guys really want to hit on before we we get to the the meat? One one I was going to bring up, and I I actually I don't think you can really call this a be a hidden gem or not because it actually made more money than anyone on earth thought it would but it's i just think it's great and everyone should see it uh the king of kong a fistful of quarters have you guys seen this one was that this year this is a documentary right yeah it came out it came out in 2007 king of kong a fistful of quarters uh yeah it's a documentary about these guys fighting to have the world's record on donkey kong and if that sounds boring to you i assure you it's not it is cutthroat as fuck uh highly recommended I, I, I actually I have one more that I, I again I don't know where this falls on hidden gems or not, but I think it was a really good movie that I don't think people remember. Uh, do you guys remember Michael Clayton, George Clooney? I almost I, I the only reason I didn't mention it is because that actually made quite a lot of money. But yes, yeah. I mean particularly for the amount of money that was spent on it, it made a lot of money. Yeah, damn, is it good? It's really uh, good. It's it's uh, him. It's Tilda Swinton. He's a professional fixer for rich people, I guess, just right. in general. And, and I can't remember how it turns on him, but uh, kind of gets in over his head and has to to use all of his fixing uh, experience and knowledge to get himself out of a jam. And uh, he's great. And Tilda Swinton, as always, is great. It's a uh, it's a solid it's a solid. I guess it's a thriller. Yeah. Yeah, and man, that that final confrontation with him and Tilda Swinton—no action in it whatsoever, but it's so action-packed. I, it's it's really great. I, I love that fucking scene. Uh, one that we have not talked about that I think is really good that I don't think a lot of people saw: TMNT, the animated Ninja Turtles movie. I did not I, see that. That was that's easily the best live-action Turtles movie. That shit's dope. It's really good. It kind of plays like an like a, a quasi episode sequel to the old cartoon it's got patrick stewart in it as like an immortal god character it's it's really really good the other one that i know joseph hates but i really enjoy into the wild mm. uh, killer I'm, pearl jam i'm like mostly just like i was about to say i'm mostly just against this on principle but i can see why you'd be into it <laughs> yeah dude travels to alaska listening to eddie vetter music i mean it's like my life story <laughs> And the only other one I had that, I mean, I'm not entirely sure it's good, but I've watched it multiple times and I enjoy it across the universe. Okay, good. I had that on my list also. <laughs> I love this movie. I think it's good. I mean, definitely uh, Rave Motion Pictures in 2007 fucking loved this movie. <laughs> Everybody was all about this fucking movie. Well, see, now you know. Like, that's the, the cause and effect. I worked at W Street. Here we are 12 years later, yeah. 13 years later. I but, still enjoy this movie. But this is a, it's a music. I mean, it's not a musical, but it's a musical movie, if that makes any sense, uh, about the Beatles and about the, the time around the Beatles and kind of the, the things that influenced them without ever actually involving the Beatles. It's, it's very movie. pretty and shiny. Yeah. It's very shiny. Uh, it was one of those things that I think five years earlier or five years later, it would have been huge. But for some reason, right when it came out, nobody really seemed to care. I just got Bono in it. It does have Bono in it. I just can't believe that guy, like this movie and the crazies 
that guy who plays not Jim Sturgis, the other guy in across the universe. I like it was always that standout performance for me. And I don't know why that guy has never like done anything. Yeah, his bit when he's like going through the recruiting line. He's great. Great. Best part of the movie. Yeah. Oh. It's it's good. I really like this one. I, I stand by it. We talked about the other ones on my list, so I'm out now. All right. Well, I got two that I want to mention for other people that aren't here, because I know that if Ian was here, he would want to talk about Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises uh, with Viggo Mortensen. I want to say it's a Cronenberg. No, not a Cronenberg. I can't remember. What's the, what's the other guy? that? No I, I, no, I think it is Cronenberg. Is it? Okay, good. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen plays a Russian gangster. He's crazy badass. Everyone is hard as balls in this movie. <laughs> I think it's so intense. Is it this one or History of Violence that has the naked fight? I believe it's this it's one. It's this one. Okay, right on. Yeah. <laughs> the, the naked fight is memorable. It's very naked. It sticks with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one I had to mention for, uh, for our buddy Zach is uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Did this come uh, out this year? It did. I, 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 I'm the same way on that. This feels like 2014 or something. It, which, it yeah. does, which That's one. I will one day watch this movie, but it's three hours long, so I probably won't actually ever watch this movie. But I really like Killing Them Softly, and I hear this one's even better. This is Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. But that brings me to my, my deep cut list, which I'm happy about, because I, I really thought that some of these were going to be on you guys' list. Uh, the, one, the only one that I want to talk about on this podcast, uh, I saw it was on 2007, and I wrote it in all caps on my sheet, Black Snake Moan. I love this movie. My goddamn shit. <laughs> Black Snake Moan was 2007? 2007. That's good. I, I must have did a lot of shit in 2007. <laughs> because, because, you know, the other one I was really surprised about was Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces, Black Snake Moan, and all these other ones we've talked about. Three different jobs. I associate <laughs> three different jobs. But, uh, yeah, Black Snake Moan's great. If I'd known it was coming out on this year, definitely I would have been wanted to talk about. This is the most insane premise for a movie that I can't imagine being pitched to a studio. That <laughs> uh, I still like. If I went back and watched it now, I don't know if it would be super cringy. But I remember at a, at the time, you know, I was like seventeen or eighteen. It was fantastic. I got I got uh, you know hooked in by the sex appeal. It's right. a great story. It's it's a, so it's a, a story about uh, Christina Ricci, who's like a genuine like uncontrollable nymphomaniac who gets dumped on the side of the road after some drinking and sexing and whatever. And uh, old man, Samuel L. Jackson, who is probably about as old as he is now uh, in this movie. <laughs> he's, been, he's been 61 years old for 30 years. For sure. As kind of like this disgruntled, grumpy old man who's, I think his wife left him for his brother or something, <laughs> who finds her and chains her to her, his, his uh, radiator until, he can, until she gets all the sin out of her. Uh, and, I, and I know that sounds insane, and it may very well pa uh, like not pass the V2 test these days. Uh, but it's a surprisingly heartwarming movie. I really like this movie. You skipped over what I think is the craziest part, which is it's a Justin Timberlake playing yes. his version of Forrest Gump. Something like it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that was too much of a stretch for him. He, he, there's still some Florida in Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Uh, this movie, I, at least as far as I remember, really great. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is a blues guitarist, plays blues guitar and sings mm -hmm. in it. I, again, it's just, this, despite what I've just described to you, it's surprisingly like a heartwarming, like heartfelt story. 
and connection between these two people. I really love this movie. I haven't I, watched it in a long time. But this I this is my hidden gem of this year. <laughs> my Another reason why it's hard for me to believe this was 2007 is one of the big things I remember from this movie is, you know, right when GIFs or GIFs, whichever you want to call it, were breaking big on MySpace, the first one I really loved was the one that was sort of like, a moving shot of Samuel L. Jackson just staring at you. Do you guys remember this at all? Do you remember this? I do remember this. form of communication. Yeah. And that just feels so much earlier. It's like, you know, doing things on MySpace seems earlier than 2007. For sure. You know, it's just, it's so weird to me. I think it's kind of what you're talking about, Jehu, in the beginning, which is it's prior to event movies. Right. There's a weird collection in here of movies that feel more recent and feel farther away. None of them feel like they came out in 2007. Exactly. It's like you're, it's where it's, it's where it's sitting right on that fence. Half of them seem like they came like right after the nineties and half of them seem like they came out in like 2014. Yeah, exactly. So black snake moan was the last one in my list that made over a million dollars. It made 10 million. (laughs) The only, the only one I wanted to mention that I actually haven't seen, but it's just kind of, I feel like important. Uh, is the Japanese animated movie called uh, Paprika, uh, which is by like an acclaimed director uh, named Satoshi Kon, who's done like some other really influential work that built the Wachowski's career. Uh, but most importantly, this movie is very much about like dreams and the whole concept and a lot of direct scenes were lifted for the premise of uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception. Oh, all right. Uh-huh. But this movie didn't even make a million dollars. So, you know, fuck you, Chris Nolan. A movie that I think probably has gained some popularity since its release, but I know wasn't super popular when it first came out. Uh, The Stephen King adaptation, The Mist. Oh, yes. I did actually put this on my list. Oh, yeah. that, that, That did come out this year, too. Yeah, this is a great movie. Frank Darabont, I think, also did this one. Frank Darabont, yeah. All, uh, all, this, the, all the Frank Darabont regulars are there. This movie is excellent. Yeah. And I don't know why it didn't get more play or more love when it came out, but if you could just give me one movie from this year, it probably would be this. Like, I think it's wow. really underrated. And uh, all the performances are great. The ending is just spectacular. Such a kick in the gut. Yeah. God, it's a good time. Well, yeah, um, it's not a good time, but it's a good yeah. movie to watch. I, I honestly think if this movie came out right now it would fucking kill and it might be a, the movie for right now i know just re-release it you yeah, don't need to remake I'm, it because yeah, it seems I, I mean it seems like it has something to say about where we are right now yeah it feels very relevant uh yeah especially the world we're currently living in yeah you mean being stuck inside correct <laughs> that's a good one the uh the last one i had on my list is the the one that i thought was going to be Hurt's whole reason for doing this uh, year, because if I remember correctly, this is uh, one of Sarah's favorite movies. Wrist Cutter's a love story. You know what? I did not even I, I did not even know she's a fan of that. I mostly I, I, remember, I could be wrong, but I feel like you told me that at some point. I mostly just the only thing I remember about this movie is the poster. It had a really cool poster. Uh, this was a, a super low budget indie flick. Uh, it's essentially about uh, a guy who commits suicide you know, 
it's called Risk Cutter's a Love Story. You knew it was coming. But he finds out after he's killed himself that there is a, uh, a special purgatory just for people who commit suicide that's exactly like the world that regular Earth, but just a little bit shittier and nobody can smile. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a road movie. He's try, try, uh, trying to find, he killed himself to make his girlfriend mad. And then he finds out well, after he's dead that his girlfriend also killed herself. So he's trying to find her in this weird alternate world uh, <laughs> and, you know, meets new people and finds it like, you know, it, it's a road movie, whatever right. you're going there for in the first place is not what happens at the end. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's very charming. It's, it's uh, for, especially for a movie that looks like it was made for like $3 million or less. Uh, it, it's good. And it's got Tom Waits in it. All right. <laughs> I have totally forgotten about this movie's existence. Uh, but I remember it being pretty good. It was one of the it was one of, it was one of the first things that was on Netflix when Netflix didn't have any real content. Right. Uh, so it was I one of the first where things I saw it. It was one of the first things that I watched on Netflix, and I was glad I did because it's a good yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, Netflix totally used to be like the the bin of movies you'd find at big lots for sure. I, yeah, I, you know, I think it was kind of better back then because it made me like discover things. Oh, for right. sure, I completely agree with you. I miss. I'm nostalgic for early Netflix days. I can't wait to tell my kids about it. <laughs> um, and the, the last one I have on the list is this list isn't actually a gem. I don't think it was a really good movie, but it was a, uh, a uh, Ryan Reynolds, Melissa McCarthy vehicle called the nines. That was kind of a drama that was, uh, it's hard to describe exactly what it was about because I hardly remember it. And I think it was kind of unclear when I watched it, but it's like a, it's like a, a reincarnation kind of movie where they keep running into each other in these alternate lives uh, and forming a connection. And there's like a greater string between like these different experiences and whatever. But I was just amazed when I looked at it. I, again, I looked at, you know, like box office numbers. Uh, it's a movie with Ryan Reynolds. I, not like, I don't know when peak Ryan Reynolds is, but this doesn't seem far off peak Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and Melissa McCarthy, who was, you know, a well-known person, even still in 2007. I made $130,000. Holy cow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, look, I don't know if this movie is good, but you know, I, I, <laughs> I feel this is like a pity mention. I feel like it should get <laughs> a little bit more than $130,000 mm. worth. I wonder what his royalty checks look like from it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Right. I mean, I feel like they probably spent a hundred thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars just on catering. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think that's it, unless you guys have anything else. No, I think we hit on everything I wanted to hit on. Yeah. Uh, but, but see, I mean, like, uh, all the things that we mentioned, I think, are, are worth checking out. But especially if you're, like, looking to, like, expand your horizons, do different things. Black Snake Moon is fantastic. The Mist yeah. is really good. 310 to Yuma. I think those, I, I feel good about those. Those are probably my favorite ones of the list. If I was going to recommend any one, it'd be The Mist. The Mist is the movie for right now. Fair enough. Uh, but, yeah, that's Hidden Gems of 2007. I would like to do a few more of these in the future. I, I think it's pretty fun to go back and see, you know, you're surprised at what came out when, and uh, you know, some things were more successful than I remembered, and some things were not successful at all. <laughs> you uh, know, the surprising one to me, you're talking about came out is I am legend. That movie feels like 20 years old. Uh, absolutely. It does. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. I was like, uh, going into college and <laughs> weird to me. That's the same time period. Yeah. Uh, but cool, that's it for uh, Hidden Gems 2007. If you guys out there can think of anything else that you remember from that year or uh, that we missed, please let us know. We'd love to hear about it.
uh in the meantime what have we been watching during our extended quarantine guys i want to go last okay I'll go first. I am I am on the anime train. I think Christian is also on the anime train during Very this so. crazy time. Um, I started watching. Uh, oh, we finished uh, My Hero Academia this season, and it's really good. I don't think it's as good as the last season, but I still think it's just like one of the most consistently entertaining, en- engaging shows that I've seen that's still going on. So I'm I'm happy about it. We started watching Demon Slayer, which is you know it, it's it's. Uh, charming japanese show about a a brother who becomes a demon slayer after his sister gets turned into a demon then he just desperately wants to change her back into a human and it's hard to sell because it's it's mostly built on uh you know the charisma of the characters but it's a fun show i i I recommend it and i just finished yesterday uh another anime that's about vikings which is a weird combination of words called the vinland saga (laughs) which is phenomenal like it's really 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 good it's on amazon prime and it's it's kind of like and i'm I'm gonna use this and i feel like it's gonna be taken the wrong way but it's kind of like the troy or the trojan war for vikings um so don't think of like the movie troy if you don't like it if you do like that movie think about it it's kind of a mixture of it's about like a you know real historical events and kind of about like the greater political machinations and and military strategy but it also focuses very much on like these smaller characters and groups of characters and they're like real people just trying to like make it in a world that hates them um and it's it's got a mixture of kind of regular folk and these characters that are fighters soldiers that are kind of larger than life but not so larger than life to be outrageous like just like just teetering on the edge of like this could have been a real person. This could have been, it sounds kind of like a, you know, it's, it's almost like campfire stories of like, you know, military exploits of like these great heroes where it's, it's just like a little bit exaggerated, but it's, it's uh, just got really, really great characters. Uh, It's just really interesting story. I highly recommend it. It's 24 episodes. uh, And I I hope they make another season. Right on. Jay Hugh. Oh, you might, my guy. Okay. um, You know, uh, man, I've watched, so much soap opera shit during the quarantine, but I really feel like I want to wait till I see you guys to give that up. Like I want to see, so, so you can see our eyes glass over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, like, uh, like, I, like I don't want to wonder what the expression on your faces are. So I'm going to say, uh, I, I watched more of uh, star Trek discovery and uh, man Jones, I really need you to, hurry up and get to that because i think it sucks but i need confirmation (laughs) (laughs) i because the the thing is you know it's it was created by brian fuller the uh the hannibal guy the first season right and he i think he dropped out maybe halfway through the first season because there's like a like specific point when all the characters just become stupid and uh and it never really recovers. In the beginning of the second season, it seems like, oh, well, maybe it's gonna, because that's when they bring in Captain Pike and they start doing more Star Trekky things. But about halfway through, it just turns back to the same dumb shit. And uh, I want to find out if I'm being too hard on it or if it actually is just a shitty show. It's, it's great looking and there's a lot of good actors in it, but the stories just seem fucking dumb. Yeah, Kate and I are, are, we're probably two weeks out from finishing Next Generation. And I want to just pay for CBS All Access one time uh, to do Picard and and, uh, Discovery all at once. So 
give me a few weeks and I'll get to it. I, after you mentioned it last week, I was tempted to just go and watch it this week, though. <laughs> right. It, it definitely, man, the, the first few episodes are really cool because, like I said, it has some really cool design stuff. Their take on the Klingons is the scariest the Klingons have ever looked. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know, man. It's it, it's turned into a it's turned into a chore for me to finish it up. But that's, that's all I got. Good. Yeah. Okay. So I watched a bunch of stuff this week. <laughs> all right. uh, I'm going to save the best for last, though. I uh, I started Sword Art Online, uh, and uh, I finished it, and started Sword Art Online too. No. I, I, I had watched. Um, the like the first half of the first season and if you're familiar with that show the second half of the first season takes a real weird incest turn which is like incest is a main plot point i mean i would say it's really weird it's kind of a standard anime trope mm. yeah as, as much as we like to ignore it it's like we introduce a second main character and that main character is only there because she's in love with her brother um and so that had always kind of turned me off and it gets real kind of like sexual assaulty. And uh, I just want to say, interrupt for a second and say, there was like, there was like a, a, like a millisecond pause there where I thought this is going to take a dark turn. Because when he said, it really turns me. I was like, oh my God, he's going to stay on. Go ahead. So I had, I had struggled to make it through. And then I was like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to suck it up. I want to push through. It doesn't get better. Um, <laughs> I am in the second. I'm about sec- halfway through the second season. I probably will finish it, um, but I don't think I'm going to do the spinoff show. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie to you. The end of the second season is actually better than most of the other stuff, but it's not well, worth getting that far. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll. Uh, I'm sure I'll push through to the end. But also on the anime train, I watched Attack on Titan. Yeah. The last season, um, so I started back over at the beginning, and I've I've tried to watch that show like three or four times. And that like I'll do, I started the first season and I didn't really get into it, and then I finished the first season and didn't really get into the second season, and then I finally made it through that, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna. I know they did like a big lore dump at the end of season three. I want to see all that stuff. I'm just gonna go through it. And my biggest problem with that show is it's really twofold. Number one. It's an intense show. I was about to say, it's hard to binge because it just gets heavy, man. It's super heavy. And um, the other thing is it does my least favorite thing in modern anime, which is five-minute internal monologues in 10-second decisions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, <laughs> then, then you hate Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yes. Aaron goes on these like long rants that like convince himself to do this thing. And he has like a microsecond to make a decision, but God, it's half the episode. It's him just talking in its head. Yeah. And uh, that that does loosen up a little bit as the show goes on. But in the first season, especially the beginning half of the second season, when he's really trying to yeah. master his thing, it uh, in Attack on Titan's defense, though, it is such a cool world, and it's such a cool like new version of the mech genre. Uh-huh. And it's got great characters. I mean, I think all the side characters are better than like Aaron, Armin, and um whatever the girl's name. Or like my least Mikasa. Mikasa are three of my least favorite characters in the show. But like Levi, Irvin, and uh Hanji 
all three are super interesting to me. I was saying to you before we started recording that I, for, you know, I'm not an anime expert, but I've watched a fair amount in my day. And Levi to me is, is like head and shoulders, the coolest anime character that I've ever seen. Uh, Levi's like big takedown at the end of season three is super awesome. It's incredible. Um, and it's also like the first time in a long time, they really use that character to do something uh, impressive. And it yeah. is an awesome moment. It's really fun. Also, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to watch it, but the ending to that season is so satisfying and bittersweet. Ugh, kills me. I loved the the last episode. I watched Little Women. Have you not seen it yet? I had not. I think it takes me up to all of the nominees for Best Picture this year. I mean, a little late, but you got there, I guess. (laughs) It counts. I really like that movie. I feel like you and Ian kind of undersold it. I don't, I, I, I don't think it deserved to be best picture, but it's really fun, and everyone's really good in it. Chris Cooper freaking knocks it out of the. Yeah, park. Chris Cooper's great. Him and Florence Pugh are really the standout. Yeah, Florence Pugh is so good. Also, random celebrity gossip news. Did you guys see that Florence Pugh is dating Bra- Zach Braff? No. I did. I, and doesn't that just doesn't that just ruin a lot of things for you? Man, if I were a celebrity, what could I? What could have happened to me? <laughs> that, that, that just brings me something that I haven't tried yet but I'm really fascinated in Zach Brath and Donald Faison have a podcast where they watch Scrubs <laughs> I, I really want to try that out oh damn I kind of want to watch listen to that also I like that movie I also watched Emma this week and that was really good it uh, looks good the like color palette is aesthetically quite pleasing and uh, the cast is great. Anya Taylor-Joy is really good as the lead. Emma's an interesting story in that nobody's really likable, um, inc- especially her. She's the least likable character. I think that's and, the key to comedy. Uh, man, it's good. I, I really, if, if it's dry and it's, you know, kind of uh, heavy on extremely proper English that no one uses anymore. Um, but I enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. And Bill Nighy's in it, I think. Bill Nighy is in it, and he is the best part. He's, <laughs> the timing in it is perfect. And finally, I watched Cats. Yeah! Right! <laughs> that is the biggest turd of a movie I have ever seen. All right. It should, it, is... should it be our episode next week? Oh, if you guys want to do Cats, I'm down for saving my thoughts. <laughs> um, it I, is I'll, I'll, unbelievably terrible. Uh, I'll watch it if, if that's what you, got, what you guys want to do next week. I would absolutely do that. Yeah, right. We'll do that. All right. Then I'll save my, the rest of my thoughts. Awesome. I'm really excited. That's it. All right. Cool. I feel like we've gotten like three episodes idea, ideas from this episode. Right. Right. I love the episode was terrible, but at least we got some ideas. Out. <laughs> yeah. Our podcast is just ideas for other podcasts. <laughs> Good. So that, I've got some for, for this week. Next week, we're going to do cats which I'm sure that Sarah will be very excited to see hurt. <laughs> yeah, 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 she's, she's going she's gonna to be really into that. In the meantime, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please like and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you feel about any of the things that we've ever talked about, you can reach us at realphonies.gmail.com or on Facebook uh, at realphonies or on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Uh, I've got this email like a million years ago, and I forgot about it. Uh, Zach sent us a list of his Star Wars movies because he watched them all in a row last month, but I just forgot to mention it. Uh, so here's Zach's list or uh, Zach's ranking of the Star Wars movies. If you guys are ready. 
I'm ready. From from bottom to top, Attack of the Clones, The Last Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, Solo, Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, The Phantom Menace, Rise of Skywalker, Rogue One, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I mean, mm. the, uh, the real shocker there to me is uh, how high you put a fa- Phantom Menace. Yeah, I, I, that was my thing, too. Putting Phantom Menace over, uh, uh, over Return of the Jedi, I cannot condone. Oh yeah. Otherwise, really super. Otherwise, solid list. Yeah. I, I forget you. You well, at least one of you likes Rogue One. Uh, I I I cannot I cannot condone Rogue One's existence. Um, <laughs> I don't think either of us like Rogue One. Both no, I don't think even do either. Second worst movie. Oh good. Oh y'all hate Rogue One. I Zach, what are you doing? I'm not really. Even though I don't like Rogue One a lot, I'm not really surprised when someone does uh-huh. because there's a. I, I don't know. It does fill a spot that no other Star Wars movie does. So I could see how someone would like it, even though I don't agree with it. I am interested. The Rise of Skywalker at number four is real high. I mean, it's above Return of the Jedi. It's above Phantom Menace. It's above all kinds of things. I, I, I mean, definitely just, just ranking the sequel trilogy, I don't see how Force Awakens isn't always on top. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, so, Zach, I, I think uh, I think your list is wrong. Is what I'm saying. So I think you should go back and rewatch them all and re-rank them and let us know. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. Opinions are subjective, except for yours. It's wrong. That's correct. Yeah. But yeah, I think that is actually it for this week. Thanks again for joining us, and thanks to Zach for our art uh, and for sending us his Star Wars thoughts. And thanks to uh, Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>